Welcome back, party people. We are here with another installment of Legally Dirty Blonde for you. Today, we are focusing on week two, day one, technically day six of the trial of the United States of America versus Jelaine Maxwell. So let's get into it. All right, guys, new day, new week, same trial of Jelaine Maxwell. I really, really don't like saying her name. Anyway, this is day six of testimony in the trial, and to start off the week, uh, the prosecution called the second victim, who will testify in support of their case, and she's going by the name of Kate for purposes of the trial. And... Just by way of background from what we've learned about her, she's currently in her mid-40s, and she was described as a former actor, model, and British British socialite. So um, you're going to find this out later, but she's technically not a U.S. citizen. She's from Great Britain. But before we get fully into the testimony today, we got to talk about some important legal shit, guys. So this is um, this is pretty big. So... On Monday, the judge ruled that because at the time of the alleged abuse involving Kate and her being, I believe she was 17 years of age, she was not under the age of consent at the time, at least not in England. To be honest, I, I can't tell if it's if she was 17 or 18, but regardless, it, it was shown to the judge that she she was of the age of consent at the time of the alleged abuse. So what does this mean? Basically, the indictment charges, when I say it charges, it says it, it's alleging the minor abuse of the victim, Kate. But the judge instructed the jury, and I quote, this witness is not a victim of the crimes charged in the indictment. She went on to say, again, and I quote, to the extent you conclude that her testimony is relevant to the issues before you, you may consider it, close quote. Now, what the fuck does that mean? It means that the jury cannot convict Maxwell on the basis of Kate's testimony regarding sex acts between Kate and Epstein, but can use the testimony to corroborate patterns in Maxwell's and Epstein's behavior, which is ultimately what the prosecution does want to prove here. They're not trying to prove that Maxwell was a fucked up sex abuser. We already know that. They're trying to prove that she facilitated this. Maxwell did. So, you know, um, so basically the defense is trying to say like, hey, listen, jury, ask yourself why this woman is even here today if she's not a victim. I'm, I'm saying this as I sound like a dick, but I'm, I'm, I'm speaking like a defense attorney. Um, you know, they're like, why, if she's not even alleged to be a victim of the charges here, what is she fucking doing here? And the prosecution is saying, hey, jury, listen up here. The grooming here took place when she was in fact underage still. So regardless of when the abuse happened with Epstein, like meaning if, even if she was 18 or whatever the age of consent is, wherever this took place, even if she was of that age, the grooming, which is what Maxwell is being charged with here, happened before then when she was a minor. So they're trying to say, don't worry about this. Think about when the grooming took place. 
So basically, the testimony is supposed to confirm what the indictment alleges in so much that Maxwell befriended Kate in the, and started grooming her in the mid-90s when she was still underage. But okay, so now we'll get into the, her direct examination. She testified that she first met Maxwell when they were both in Paris at some point in 1994, when she was 17, so underage. Uh, both had returned to their homes in England, and she received a phone call from Maxwell, and she's, she, you know, she said she was elated. Um, I'm, I'm using that word. She didn't specifically use that word, but she, she, you know, she looked up to her and even said that she was, you know, everything that she wanted to be one day. So she said she considered Maxwell a friend despite their age gap, and that when they first met, Maxwell told, told her she wanted to introduce her to her boyfriend who liked to help young people in their careers. Fucking gross. So then she was talking about when she first met Epstein, and when she first met him, Maxwell told her to squeeze his foot. I'm like, ew, enough said. You don't even need to say any fucking more about this feet shit. I'm over it. But for you guys, I will. And and basically, based on how strong she was able to squeeze his foot, he was like, girl, get started on these shoulders. And then at some point, Maxwell like, kind of came to her in a panic and was like, oh my God, girl, like Epstein's masseuse canceled on me last minute. Can you fill in for him? And she did. And this is the first time she, first time she ever was involved in giving him this sexual massage shit. Um, she said sexual occurrences took place and every time after that it was like clockwork she testified that maxwell and her kept in touch over the phone over the years and she saw both of them several times a year after that and she also performed these sexual massages in his homes in new york city london palm beach and the u.s virgin islands and that it was maxwell who set up these massage appointments and also set up her international travel to, you know, whatever, to, from London, Palm Beach, wherever. Um, specific, there, she testified to a specific instance of coming to the Palm Beach house. And she said she, when she got there, she would go to the guest room and on the bed was a schoolgirl outfit. And she asked Jelaine, like, what, what's the deal? And, she, and apparently Maxwell was like, oh, I just like thought it would be super fun if you brought Epstein his tea in this outfit. I'm like, yo, stop trying to make tea dirty. You're ruining tea. Stop ruining tea for everybody, Maxwell. Anyway, so, you know, Kate ends up putting on this outfit and bringing out his tea with this tray. She said she felt she couldn't say no. And she ends up bringing it out to him at the pool, and again, another sex act ensues. So turning more to her friendship, and I say that with air quotes, with Maxwell, she said Maxwell confided in her about how demanding Epstein was, and I think we can all assume that based on the context of this, she meant sexually, because she said that he needed I'm using the word fuck. I don't think she did, but that he needed to fuck three times a day and that this was a lot for Maxwell to do herself. And then she proceeded to ask if Kate had any young friends who would want to do sex shit with this weird old fucking man. Uh, and, and specifically that he liked, quote, cute, young, pretty, close quote, girls. Ugh. Now, in and of itself, liking cute, young, pretty girls is not a crime, 
but in this context, it certainly fucking appears to be, and as we know, is. But this testimony definitely sets the stage that Maxwell was orchestrating these sexual encounters for Epstein. Regardless of the minor status, I think it's made pretty clear. Um, the consent argument is obviously very, very relevant here because although she felt she couldn't say no, you know, she she could, she could have. And I'm not saying, you know, I understand the pressure that comes along with all of this, so I'm not actually saying she could have, but legally she could have. And listen, we all know 18-year-olds are really no different than 17-year-olds, but in the eyes of the law, they are. But anyway, overall on direct, I think that the prosecution was definitely able to show a connection or a nexus between ex- Epstein and Maxwell and their pattern of grooming behavior, you know, including Maxwell's initiation of contact and her quote-unquote friendships with people, and specifically here, Kate. Um, you know, she was the one to issue the invitations, set up the air travel, even the instance of the outfit. You know, we we know the jury can use this testimony to corroborate this type of pattern, even though she wasn't technically considered a victim of sex abuse because of her age. They can still use her testimony to corroborate that pattern of behavior on Maxwell's behalf. But now we get to cross and the defend the the defense attorneys are not holding back with these victims. And I, I will say often defense attorneys will tread lightly when they're crossing victims of crimes, especially sex sex abuse victims, because a shithead attorney attacking a crying witness generally doesn't sit well with the juror or any other normal human being for that matter. So, you know, that 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 is often a tactic taken by defense attorneys, but not in this case. Um, they're taking a different route and they're going for the jugular at every turn. So on cross, the defense was trying to show that Kate was not an innocent victim and was in fact always trying to find ways to further her own career and advance herself into the limelight. Um, you know, they, they specifically pointed out that she, which I mentioned earlier, she was a British or is a British, British, if I could speak, that'd be great. She is a British citizen who came to the U.S. years ago on an entertainment visa and then, you know, they said, you know, but she's not doing entertainment anymore. So what is she even doing here? What? Why is she here? They implied that Kate was testifying solely to receive what is known as a U visa. Now you're probably asking me, Alana, what in the world is a U visa? And just give me one second and I'll tell you. A U visa is something for, is, is a visa reserved for victims of certain crimes who are aiding law enforcement in investigations and or prosecutions. So... Basically, the defense asked Kate, isn't this why you're testifying, to get this U visa? Initially, she kind of denies it, but after reviewing some documents that the defense attorney shows her, she concedes and says that at one point she thought it would be in her best interest to try and obtain this kind of visa. All right, I, I don't hate her for it. But they also attacked her prior drug and alcohol use. They emphasized that this type of drug use could have altered or affected her memories, especially because it was a 10-year period of abuse. Um, Again, this will probably be used by their expert, which we know. But regardless, Kate returned and said that she was not allowed to do drugs when she was with Epstein or Maxwell and that she was sober during all their interactions. They also brought up this whole, quote-unquote, sisterhood of accusers, um and just kind of talked about her being money-hungry and fame-hungry. 
So takeaways, I think the prosecution is showing that she thought of Maxwell as a quote-unquote friend and confidant, although we know that that was not really what she was, but that Maxwell introduced her to Epstein, and although she is deemed of age to consent to sexual acts, she felt she was unable to say no due to their perceived connections and power in the world. And basically, the defense wants to show the jury that she has ulterior motives here, such as getting that visa and, you know, getting money. But I, I honestly, the fact that the judge was like, hey, jurors, this woman isn't a victim, kind of is a big deal to me. I, I'm not really, sh- like, I don't mean it's actually, it's a big deal. Like, I understand legally why this is happening, but I don't know how a juror is going to feel about a judge being like, this person's actually not a victim, never mind. Um, you know, it, it probably doesn't, doesn't seem right. I don't know what they could be thinking, but I also really don't know how prosecutors didn't know this was going to come up until they are literally like live and on trial. That's, um, that's not great prep, but who knows? Things come up and, you know, you can't always anticipate them, but it would seem that that was something that potentially could have been. So that was pretty much her, the relevant parts of her testimony. If I, if I remember anything else, I will come back to it in another episode, but hers wasn't quite as, um, and I I mean this in, I don't, I don't mean this the way it's going to sound like hers was, not as bombastic as some of the other testimony. But like I said, if if there's something that comes up that I remember, I will I will tell you guys. But after she finished, they brought the prosecution brought up a guy named Patrick McHugh, who is an executive director with JP Morgan Chase. Oh, okay, now why is this important? So he testified to money transfers between accounts linked to Epstein and Maxwell, and most specifically Millions of dollars that ultimately purchased a goddamn helicopter. I got a chopper in the back. All right. Anyway, so let me explain this. Basically, June 15th, 2007, $7.4 million was, dollars was sent to an account linked to Epstein, excuse me, sent from an account linked to Epstein to an account linked to Maxwell. Fast forward a few days later, June 18th, 2007, that same 7.4 mil was sent from that account linked to Maxwell to an account for an entity known as Jelaine Air. You heard me right, like A-I-R, like airplane. Honestly, you're probably thinking to yourself, what the fuck is Jelaine Air? Did, did they both have private charters for sex shit like Epstein had with the Lolita Express? Hold on. Give me a second. So later that same day, on June 18th, 2007, $7.3 million was sent from that entity account for Jelaine Air to Sikorsky, which is a helicopter company. So I left you hanging with that question about what what's the deal with these two uh, flying flying passenger vehicles that they seem to own. And the worst part is that we still don't have an answer because Mr. McHugh didn't testify to what Air Gislaine was or what the chopper was used for. And that's likely because he really didn't know. And he, he also probably didn't give a shit. He's the money guy. He doesn't give a fuck what you do. Um, but this brings me back again to the testimony of that pilot from day one, Mr. Vysosky, I believe his name was. 
Um, he also said that he was aware that Maxwell took helicopter pilot training courses sometimes a- sometime after Epstein purchased his first helicopter, which was in 2000. So this was years later, this purchase that is showing transactions between their accounts. But um, the pilot testified that the helicopter was used to travel between two of the U.S. Virgin Islands, and that was St. Thomas and Little St. James, which is where Epstein's island is. So... You know, overall, I, I don't think, I, I'm not really, they, they didn't prove anything about travel with the helicopter per se, but I think that the point of this was to try and show how interconnected Epstein and Maxwell's finances were and how closely they worked together on both a personal level, but also on a business and transactional level. It just kind of points to, you know, the depth of their relationship. It's not just a personal relationship, it's a financial relationship as well. I mean, guys, I, I first of all, I don't think I know anybody that has $7.4 million, but I can pretty much guarantee you I don't know anybody that's willing to front me $7.4 million to buy a freaking new helicopter. But yeah, so I thought today went pretty, pretty okay for the prosecution. I, I don't think their testimony was harmed by anything that was brought up on cross today, like it has been on other days. I mean, you know, the defense is doing a really effective job with their cross examinations of basically all of the witnesses that they deem relevant. Um, it's a it's a battle, and we have to keep in mind that it's the prosecution's burden to prove their charges beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, the burden is in no way on the defendant here. She does not have to prove her innocence. Uh, she just has to. Basically, I mean, she technically could sit back and hope that the prosecution just fails to prove their case. They're, they are absolutely doing a decent job in proving their case. But there are instances where that doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, so, you know, the work here, the work here is on the is on the prosecution, as it always is. So that's ending our first day back from for week one. We still got a lot more to go as far as the as far as we know, um, we've, we, we should have a lot more witnesses to hear from. And like, we're basically just getting started, people. So like I've been saying, buckle the fuck up. Um, so for now, that's where we're going to end. I think tomorrow they are going to put another victim on the stand. So that'll probably be a longer episode. Um, I'm going to, I guess I'll decide on if I want to break it up into two or not, but we'll see what happens. So until then, guys, have a great night, great day, great morning, whatever. Love you. Talk to you soon.